This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. Now, when you think about the worst possible thing that could happen to you at work, having a panic attack, maybe, but not likely is on the list. That is, unless you are ABC News anchor Dan Harris. Not only did the Nightline anchor have a panic attack at work, it happened on live TV. Dan knew he had to make some changes. A lifelong non-believer, he found himself on a bizarre adventure involving a disgraced pastor, a mysterious self-help guru, and a gaggle of brain scientists. Eventually, Dan realized that the source of his problems was what he thought was his greatest asset, the voice in his head. He wrote about that journey of self-discovery in a book called 10% Happier, how he learned to tame the voice in his head, reduce his stress, and not lose his edge. His journey of self-discovery continues. He's back with a new book that also comes with an app. It is called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. Dan, how do you keep folks from not looking at you sideways when you talk about meditation? (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes they do, um, and you got to be kind of fearless about it. Look, and I get it. I w- I'm, I'm the type of person who would have looked at uh, somebody sideways if they had talked to me about meditation not too long ago. But you know what changed my mind is the science. The science shows that meditation uh, can lower your blood pressure, boost your immune system, and literally rewire key parts of your brain that have to do with stress and focus in this era of distraction. So that's what changed my mind. And you argue that it can make you happier and indeed more successful, right? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the two, two of the primary benefits of meditation are that it boosts your focus, makes you less distracted, and that it, it, and this is the big one, really, lowers your emotional reactivity. So you're not so yanked around by your urges and impulses and feelings. Both of those make you a lot happier and more successful, better at your job. How could they not? And that's why we're seeing executives, elite athletes, the U.S. military, uh, scientists, lawyers, journalists, uh, police officers adopting this practice because it enhances your edge. When did you adopt the practice of meditation? So I had a panic attack on a little show we do here at ABC News called Good Morning America back in 2004, so it was rather public. Um, and at the time, meditation was not on my list of remedies. But uh, ultimately, I found the science, and um, and so I started doing it about not <clears throat> sorry. I started doing it about nine years ago, and it made a significant difference. Look, it doesn't solve all of your problems. (laughs) Nothing will. Anybody who promises you a silver bullet, you should, those people you should look at sideways. (laughs) Um, What what I found was that it, it, it made me less of a moron, you know, it made really... Uh, you know, reduced the amount of dumb stuff that I was doing because I was, I had woken up to a fundamental fact that most of us are unaware of, that we have a mind and our thinking, that we have this inner narrator that chases us out of bed in the morning and is yammering at us all day long. And when you're unaware that, you know, that you have this nonstop conversation going on with yourself, it yanks you around. It's why you eat when you're not hungry or you lose your temper when it's strategically unwise. And just ha- having this, what, what's called mindfulness, is the antidote in many ways to mindlessness. It won't work all the time, but it works enough, for me at least. 
We're on the line with ABC News' Dan Harris, a man who's been very public about his struggle with anxiety after, as he said, that very public panic attack on the set of GMA. Has that made you a better journalist? And are, do, you, do you find, Dan, that you're better able to connect with the people whose stories you're telling because you, quite honestly, can relate to some of their struggles? First of all, um, I think it's been – first of all, I think it's very important for people with the public platform, and my colleague Ginger Z has done this, to talk openly about things like anxiety and depression because there's too often a stigma associated with it, and it is extremely common. It doesn't mean you're defective. Uh, it just means <laughs> you, you, it means that you're part of the human race where, defect, where depression and anxiety have been around since we have been around, and, and, uh, and there are ways – to deal with it, meditation being one of them. I'll tell you what I found has helped me on the job as a journalist as a consequence of meditation, which is you're getting out of your own head. You're getting out of your own way. You're not so stuck in the dark hole of self-absorption. That allows you to listen to other people and to see the world through their eyes, and that can only be helpful. What is your process? When do you practice meditation? Is it something that you in the, do in the morning, in the evening, multiple times a day? Are you, you know, some people might envision sitting in a room with your legs crossed and your palms up going, mm. Yes. Well, the good news is you don't have to do that. Um, and and I, have, I have everything I have to say from here on in is good news. So uh, it doesn't require a ton of time. You don't have to join a group. You don't have to believe in anything. You don't have to wear special outfits. You don't have to sit in an uncomfortable position. Uh, there are Three basic steps to beginning mindfulness meditation. There are lots of kinds of meditation, but the kind that I do and talk about is called mindfulness, which is secular and simple and scientifically validated. So you find a reasonably quiet, this is the first step, you find a reasonably quiet place. It doesn't have to be pristine. You can put headphones in uh, if, you, if there's a little bit of noise. Uh, sit comfortably and uh, close your eyes. Second step is to bring your full attention to the feeling of your breath coming in and going out. Pick a spot like your nose or your chest or your belly where you feel the breath most prominently and just bring, you know, try to feel the breath coming in and going out. The third step is the key because as soon as you try to do this seemingly easy thing, your mind's going to go nuts. You're going to start thinking about what's for lunch. Why did I say that dumb thing for my, to my boss? What, what, where do gerbils run wild? Blah, blah, blah. And the whole game is just to see when you become distracted and to start again and again and again and again. And every time you do this, it's a bicep curl for your brain. This is what shows up on the brain scans of meditators, and it boosts your ability to focus, and it boosts your self-awareness so you're not so yanked around by your inner chaos. And um, I think uh, five to ten minutes a day of this is a great meditation habit. And if you feel like five to ten minutes a day is too much, one minute absolutely counts. I have an app called 10% Happier where we have all these free one-minute guided meditations. That is a great habit to start with. And that was your uh, your other book, 10% Happier, correct? Yeah, so I wrote a book uh, a couple, four years ago called 10% Happier, which was a, a memoir about how I uh, had a panic attack and started meditating. And I naively assumed that people would start meditating if they read the book. Uh, I, what became blazingly obvious to me very clear, very quickly was that Actually, people were using it more as a beach read, and it was just a fun thing to read, but didn't mean they were hurling themselves into the lotus position and meditating. Starting a habit is really difficult, and being part of this app company, uh, I started a, a company, um, 
has really given me a front row seat to the rich pageant of human neuroses that stand in the way of adopting healthy habits. So that's why I decided to write this this next book, Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics, where I took a gonzo road trip across the country in a big orange bus, and we met all sorts of wannabe meditators, from cops to scientists to politicians to celebrities, and helped them get over the hump and actually start meditating. Dan, how important is it to put the technology away if an individual at the start of a new year when people are trying to do new things and improve the quality of our lives to, to slow things down, to try and stop the brain, to, to clear our thoughts and to be happier and healthier? We can't be unrealistic. Technology is deeply embedded in our lives right now. So it's not about dropping it. I, I'm sitting here. I'm, I can see my phone. It's within arm's reach. I, it's just a huge part of our lives. We can't disentangle completely. It's about having a smarter relationship to it. And meditation, the self-awareness that we get through meditation uh, can allow us to see, oh, is my, am, do I have a headache right now? Is my jaw clenched? Is my stomach bubbling because I've been on Twitter for the last 36 hours? Maybe now's a good time to step away. Uh, so it's really just about just having uh, a, a wiser relationship to the technology. But uh, something I love is that um, the technology can be co-opted. The engine of distraction, your phone, can actually be used to boost your mindfulness through these meditation apps. There's been this prolition, pro, uh, proliferation of meditation apps in recent years, including mine, which I'm partial to, but there are lots of great ones out there, that help you use your phone to learn how to meditate. And that is a beautiful and kind of sneaky thing. Has all of this self-awareness and self-analysis helped to make you a better husband and a better dad? Yeah, but I, I want to be honest. I, I retain the capacity to be a moron. That's why, <laughs> you know, if my wife was here, she would give you her 90% still a dummy speech. You know, like I, I still do dumb stuff, but I'm, I do less of it. I'm less, and when I, you know, when I go down the rabbit hole of anger, I'm le- I, I pull myself out more quickly, and I make apologies more quickly. So perfection is not on offer here, but gradual, steady improvement certainly is. The book is Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. The author is ABC's Dan Harris. Dan, reset for our audience once again. Obviously, we can find the book everywhere, and how do we get a hold of the apps that you talked about? Yeah, so the 10% Happier app is available wherever you get your apps. Um, the book is available wherever you get your books. Um, but, you know, uh, there, this is, um, I just can't stress strongly enough, this is a really simple habit to get started. But if you're going to start, which I highly recommend you do, you should go into the process of starting this new habit with a sense of exploration and experimentation. We did not evolve for long-term healthy habits. Evolution did not bequeath us a mind that is good at, you know, um, uh, sticking to diets and exercise regimes. Evolution bequeathed us a mind that is good for threat detection, like looking for saber-toothed tigers, and finding sources of pleasure like food and mates. Why? Because evolution didn't care about your long-term health. It cared about getting your genes into the next generation. So we, we have to recognize this and be humble as we go into starting a new habit, whatever it is we want to do, and learn how to be willing to start, fail, start again. And that is the route toward, I believe, an abiding set of healthy habits. Dan Harris, that's great advice. Appreciate your time. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. Now, you've heard of going out on a limb. Next, we're going to go out on a leash and learn how Terry's death gave me new life. So who's Terry and who's me? 
none other than the legendary Shirley MacLaine. She's appeared in more than 50 films, has been nominated for an Academy Award six times. She won the Oscar for Best Actress in 1984. You'll recall her turn in terms of endearment. She's a longtime outspoken advocate for civil rights and civil liberties. She's written 14 other books. But when Shirley met Terry, she found the love of a lifetime, not in the arms of a man, but in the furry bundle of irresistible charm that was her terrier. In Out on a Leash, How Terry's Death Gave Me New Life, McLean presents a wonderfully funny and deeply touching memoir of her relationship with Terry and how this little dog really did change her life. It is a very special day on Perspectives, and we welcome you, Shirley McLean. Oh, my God. Did you read it, Condes? I'm still reading it, and I'm just, my mouth is still wide open. Okay. It's the story of, I don't know, leash is supposed to be kind of a joke, right? Instead of, I don't know, limb, it's I don't know, leash, which I was with my dog, Terry, because she uh, basically was uh, the guiding force in my life. And. I write about all the years I spent, 17 years, uh, 24-7 with her. She talks in her voice, and I talk in my voice. In a way, it's a wonderful real-life fiction of how I imagine she must think and how I imagine she must communicate. So that was fun doing that. But then we came to the inevitable, which was, okay, she's 17, and I don't think wants to live anymore. Do you know how now, lucky you were to have her for years. 17 years? My. I'm sorry. 17 say? years. How lucky to be together that long. Yeah. It is. And, you know, she was a smallish dog, kind of a, she was a rat terrier. But the, the reason I wrote the book is I had to, after several dramatic events, which you'll really, I think, enjoy reading because, you know, they're better than war, basically, because you get the feeling of what it's like when an animal tries to tell you something. And ultimately, I had to make the decision to put her down, which I don't do it. And this book is for had to put down pets or had to deal with, you know, letting a relative go. And I realized right before that last drop of fluid that put her down, was that I should make the decision not to contaminate that event with hurt or anger or loss or guilt or any of that, and that I would kind of have a reward if I celebrated her freedom instead of mourning her death. And that's what I decided to do, Condit. I decided I'm going to celebrate your going, Terry. I'm going to send all the love and free feeling of uh, communication I can to you. Now what happened is why I wrote the book. I think love is the most, it's the strongest energy in the universe. That love that I sent her, I think began to attract other, other souls. And I don't know if it's other animals, but certainly other beings who began to guide me. And that's why I write about how it changed my life, because they were telling me how to miss traffic, how to, um, something I forgot, something I needed to realize. It all came in a kind of a feeling speak. And it was very, 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 very sophisticated. It was beyond the third dimension. 
And I realized that, my golly, I was being rewarded by Carrie and my celebration of her freedom called Go Passing On with all this guidance that stimulated me to go further and deeper, I don't know, into the mysteries of life and death. And it wasn't motivated by my loss. It was motivated by my celebrating the freedom, which I thought would help other people if they have to put their lives down, their pets down, or they have to, I don't know, kind of deal with the passing of a relative. So I thought, I'm going to do this for all the people that love their pets and their relatives and see if it'll help in this crazy, mixed-up, chaotic world. Well, you just said something there about a crazy, mixed-up, and chaotic world. Were you surprised at how... Were you surprised at how letting go in the way that you did created such opportunity and positive energy? You know, frankly, I was. All the books I've written on this, all the, the times I've kind of delved into what must be out there, to have a little dog to death that I was responsible for, teach me that there is guidance out there you never even heard of or thought about or imagined is yours. And that's what I wanted to pass on. You cannot and should not really contaminate the soul's potential freedom of moving on with anger and hurt and guilt and all that stuff. So her guidance is my reward for celebrating the freedom instead of mourning her death. That's my big lesson in life. Are you there? Yes, I am here. And Miss McLean, I wanted to ask you, what made you want to tell part of this story in Terry's voice? That's quite unique. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got so close to her. She was with me all the time. You know how you are with some other living being, and they're always with you. Um, I wanted to celebrate her thought process, her way of communicating, her humor, for God's sake, her sense of what she thought about me. I loved doing that. She was so irreverent. I adored that. And so, I wanted to share that, too, so that other people would think, well, God, maybe my dog has some of those opinions, too, about me. Is that what you want readers about to take themselves. out of the, Yes, about themselves. Is that what you want readers to take away from from the book? Out on I a Leash? To take a, I wanted to take from Out on a Leash. Thanks for almost saying it. But uh, when you have to put them down, please celebrate the freedom and don't mourn the loss. Because for you and Terry, after 17 years, my goodness, that's a relationship that lasts a lot longer than a lot of Hollywood relationships, wouldn't you say? Hollywood? How about anybody? Again, Even you make a point. Because yeah. they're usually gone. What did you love most about Terry? Her humor, her irreverence, her wiliness. She thought she was a little princess, would let everybody pet her but at the same time demanded regal, regal respect. And by the way, what I love most as I think about it now is that she came to me every day I sat down to write about her, and she put the words into my mouth. And I read you still do all of your writing in longhand. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us, the amazing Academy Award-winning actress, Shirley MacLaine. Well, the book is Out on a Leash, How Terry's Death Gave Me New Life. The author is the Academy Award winner, 
Shirley McLean. It's a pleasure to talk with you and excited to hear about this new line that you have. But before we get to that, must congratulate you on an outstanding season. Your performance last season in Orange is the New Black. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Did you know that Tasty was going to have such a juicy role to play in the last season? <laughs> I did not. Uh, last year was pretty uh, expansive for me. I had a lot of work to do, not only in orange, but I was also doing the color purple at the same time and, and uh, doing my first uh, campaign with Blaine Bryant. So it was a pretty hefty year that year, and I'm so grateful for everything that uh, came my way. But this year has been super exciting, um, getting to actually work on my own line with Universal Standards. Uh, it's been pretty amazing. Tell us about your collection, because you're right. That is pretty amazing. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, my line is, is called The Tree of Collection by Danielle Brooks Times Universal Standard. And this collection is three pieces. Um, and when I sat down with uh, the company, they asked me, like, what are three pieces that you have always wanted in your closet? And so I really got to have a lot of fun and brainstorm three looks that I felt that would be timeless classic pieces that I would want to last forever. And I came up with uh, an overall, some black overalls. And what makes that piece unique is the fact that they are super, first of all, comfortable, and second of all, feminine. A lot of times when women get overalls, they can be so baggy and don't really fit correctly. But these are made for us. And second outfit I made was a um, uh, off-the-shoulder uh, off uh, dress. And this look is really cool because um, it can also convert into a hoodie as well. So um, that's always great with the weather changing and shifting at every <laughs> minute. You'll always be prepared and look great in that look. And then my third look is a dress shirt, or shirt dress, I should say, <laughs> um, that can be converted into either um, with pockets. And that one was inspired by Solange. I think she has really dope style. And I've always wanted to cop something out of her closet, but now I can make it. And what is unique about the TRIA collection is that it is for the plus-sized woman, correct, Danielle? Yes, ma'am, it is. Uh, it is for the plus-size woman, and it ranges from size 10 to 28. Um, so it's pretty spectacular. How exciting is it for you to be able to create something that is beautiful, that is functional, yeah. and that is for every woman or most women who are, yeah. you know, the average most, size? I mean, it's, it's for the women that has been ignored for a very long time. You know, 57 percent of women are plus size. And a lot of times you can't even buy things in, you know, in store. And so this is great. Um, Universal Standard has been doing a lot of pop-up shops lately, and we have two, uh, two pop-up shops about to occur in, in, um, in New York. So if your people are in New York, Atlanta, if you're in New York, come check them out. Um, but you can definitely order them online. So we've got the first three pieces out. Can we expect you to have more to come? I hope so. I don't plan on stopping. I really don't. I mean, it's been super exciting to see all of these women post on Instagram um, wearing my three looks. Like, that has been so exhilarating, and I never imagine that it would be so empowering to finally be creating looks that I've wanted and see women wear them and get to share them with them. 
Um, so I'm really thrilled. It launches today. <laughs> so I'm really excited, and I and I can't wait to, to see what the future holds for my designer career. As a designer, where can we find you modeling these three outstanding looks on your social? I'm imagining you've got an Instagram where you're posting, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Um, on Instagram, I am DannyBB3, D-A-N-I-E-B-B-3. And on Twitter, I am the Danny B. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you can totally check out my looks there or, more importantly, on UniversalStandard.com. Great. And it's the Danielle Brooks Collection for Universal Standard, the TRIA Collection, available, as you said, at UniversalStandard.com. I also have a website that says UniversalStandard.net. That right? You got them all. Yes. Wonderful. Well, congratulations. Have a great day. Thanks for spending some time with us. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, condo 29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.